0: Hi and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with senior ministers John and Anne Giuliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Are you ready? Are you ready for the word of God? I have been so pumped to get into this message. I've been waiting for, it seems like, weeks and weeks and weeks. And uh, it's just been percolating on the inside of me. And it was the beginning of last month that we started this series called The Promised Land. And um, it's been four or five weeks since I've been preaching on this. And so this is number two. And if you have your Bibles, open up to Joshua chapter one, because um, we are going to read this wonderful passage of scripture. But before we get there, let me give you a summary for, for you regarding this series called The Promised Land. The Promised Land for us Christians is not a place it's not a geographical place as it was for the children of Israel. The promised land for us is the fulfillment of the promises of God in our lives. When we read the Bible, what we find is that there are probably over 7,000 promises in the Bible and the best way that Jesus described the promised land for us Christians is in John chapter 10 verse 10 where he said I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly have this abundant life and so for us Christians the promised land is the abundant life the life where God's kingdom rules and reigns in our lives and there's a sense of accomplishment a sense of purpose, a sense of connection, a sense of satisfaction on the inside of us that we are where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to be doing, accomplishing amazing things for God. That's the promised land for us Christians. Now, how many of you know that there's lots of people that are not living the abundant life? There's lots of people that are living the saved life, but not the Abundant life. And that was the same with the children of Israel. They, were, they escaped out of Egypt. They were in the wilderness. But the wilderness is not... God's promised land. Sure, in the wilderness, you're saved out of Egypt. You're no longer under the slavery of the Egyptians. And sure, God provides for you, gives you manna in the morning, gives you the cloud to protect you from the sun in the day, the the pillar of fire by night to keep you warm, gives you a rock from which water comes out. There's lots of wonderful things in the wilderness, but it's not the promised land. And so what I find is that a lot of Christians live the saved life where they've got some of the promises of God, but He wants you to move from saved life to abundant life where you're living in the abundance of God's promises. How many of you want the abundant life? Oh, come on. There's three of you want the... How many of you want the abundant life? Absolutely. So what we find... and, And guys, can I just say that this is not just... An obscure passage... Here or there. This whole journey to the promised land starts in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham, where God promises Abraham to you and your descendants, I'm going to give you the promised land. And then right through the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers, the book of Deuteronomy. So the, the, the beginning of the Bible is all about this transitioning to the promised land. It's not an obscure scripture. And then the rest of the Old Testament is all about either staying or being exiled. Exiled out because of disobedience. I mean, there is so much of the Bible that's focused in on this thought that God wants his people in the promised land. When we come into the New Testament, the thought goes into the promised land being the kingdom of God. I know that I'm going at a million miles an hour, but I've got so much that I want to say, so little time to say it, in, so I'm downloading as much as I can. But anyway, so, so what happened is this first generation, the generation that escaped out of Egypt, got to the border. They got to a place called Kadesh Kadesh Barnea. They'd gone through through the Red Sea. They got to Mount Sinai. God gave them the laws. Then they transitioned into the wilderness and they got to this place called Kadesh Barnea, which was the gateway to the promised land. They sent 12 spies to spy out the land. And uh, you know 10 spies were bad 2 spies were good but when the spies came back they gave the people a bad report and the bad report was there are giants in the land these people are strong they are mighty and and the end of the report was this we saw the giants and they were big and then we looked at us and we seemed like grasshoppers in their sight. Giants versus grasshoppers. And can I just say to you that many times what we have to do is change the perspective? How many of you do photography? How many of you do photography? You do photography? How many of you know that perspective changes everything? How many of you know that if you photograph a giant from the front and you look at a grasshopper, that grasshopper photographed from the front of the giant makes it look so small. But even if you photograph a grasshopper from, from up front and you look at the perspective with the grasshopper in front, it will overshadow the giant. It's all about perspective. Can anybody say amen? And what God wants to do for us is change our perspective where we become giants and the giants become grasshoppers. It's about changing your perspective. And even today, some of you need to change your perspective. You're looking at your problem and it just is overshadowing everything. And what God wants you to do is change His perspective and say, would you have a look at me? Because I'm the one that never leaves you nor forsakes you why don't you change your perspective and see how big I am and how small your problem is it's a matter of changing perspective and so here it is the first generation didn't enter the promised land and this is the first week summary they didn't enter the promised land because they failed to do three things they failed to obey God they failed to face their giants and they failed to fight their battles they failed to obey God they failed to face their giants, and they failed to fight their battles. Their problem was that they expected God to give it all to them unconditionally. They were the confess it and possess it crowd. We just arrive, we confess, we possess. There was no concept Maybe there's another element to this. Maybe confession is a good part of it, but it's not the only part of it. Maybe one of the other parts is facing our giants and fighting our battles. And they forgot that part of the deal was facing your giant and fighting your battle. And can I just say to you right now that whatever you want to grab in God, it's not just blab it and grab it. It's about... Facing your giant and fighting your battle. Facing your giant and, and, and fighting your, ba- your battle. And what they didn't realize was that that was their test. It's not as if God didn't realize that there were giants in the land. It's not as if God was thinking, oh, fancy that, there's giants in the land. Oh, my goodness. I hadn't figured that one out in my plan. Boy, oh boy, that just puts everything. Guys, back in the wilderness, we've got to sort this out. There's giants in the land. Boy, I've got to work that one out. How am I going to get rid of that so that you can go in and just confess and possess and grab, blab and grab. and It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. Don't worry. No, no, this is part of the test. This is part of your test. See, right now, every single one of you are facing a giant. I'm I'm prophesying it. Every single one of you are facing a giant. Every single one of you, there's not one person in this auditorium right now that does not have a battle that they're facing right now. Every single one of you. It might be a family battle. It might be a financial battle. It might be a health battle. But every single one of you, including your pastor, is fighting a battle. And what happens is this, is that there's forces of darkness that want to push you back. But then there's the forces of God that want to push you forward. And what's blocking you from going forward is your battle. And you're facing this battle And right now. And I want to give you some clues today on how you can win in your battle. Does anybody want to know that? Okay, so so let's read this together. Joshua chapter 1. Because now we've got the second generation. Now what we've got is first generation, they failed, they wouldn't go in, the giant scared them. Now we've got the second generation, it's Joshua, and the next generation, and, and we come to this, and, and here's the opening of the book of Joshua. Here it is, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. In other words, yesterday is over. Come on, everybody say, yesterday is over. Yesterday. Whatever happened yesterday, it's finished, it's over. Okay, today is a new day. Everybody say, today's a new, day. Today a new day. Stop living in your yesterdays. Start living today. Moses is dead. Whatever you did in the past, can I, can I just say to you that, that it would be so easy for me to live in my yesterdays? We've got so much success in our yesterday. I, I mean, we've done amazing things in our yesterday. But you know what? Yesterday is over. What about today? Today is the challenge. Yesterday is finished. And so he's God speaking to Joshua saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, rise up. Come on, rise up in faith. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, how beautiful would this be? If all they had to do was just walk in the land, and every place that they tread, God just says, that's yours, that's yours, that's yours. And what happens oft times is when we read the Bible, we just stop at that verse. You know, my God shall supply all my needs according to my riches in glory. Every place where the soul of your foot treads is the land that I give to you. And we stop there. It's like full stop. But that's not the end of the passage. Because what happens is this. That then he prophesies and says, From the wilderness of this Lebanon and as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites, the great sea towards the going down, of the sun shall be your territory. Great, we want to confess that. But then it moves on to verse 5. And in verse 5 it says this, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. How many of you know there's a clue right there? There's a clue right there. And what's the clue? That people are going to stand before you all the days of your life. Huh? That's the clue. That there's going to be battles all the days of your life. All the days of your life. Battles? All the days? That's what it says. No man shall be able to stand you before you all the days of your life. It's like, what? People are going to... St- he didn't get that. It's like, nobody will stand before me. Whoa! They won't win. But they will stand before you. They, w- they won't be able to... To, to gain the victory over you but they will stand before you but, 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 but I, I, I'm confessing that every place where the sole of my t- foot treads is like yes that's half then the other half is this there's a clue and there is the clue is that you're going to have to fight there's battles and then it moves on as I was with Moses so I'll be with you I will not leave you nor forsake you another big clue you're going to need me yeah. big clue everybody say I'm going to need him Turn to the person next to you and say, you're going to need him. Uh, You're going to need him. You're going to need him. That's a big clue. You're going to need God in your battle. Oh, but I do I'm just going to get a little, little one that I can do myself. No, it's going to be so big that you will have to call upon God to help you. And then here's another clue. Be strong and of good courage. How many of you know that if God says you have to be of good courage... There's a reason for that. And the reason is because you're going to be discouraged. Hello, Beth. Have you ever been discouraged? Absolutely. And when you sprain that ankle. But here's God saying, come on, get up. Be of good courage. I'm going to be with you. You, you, The race is not over yet. It seems like this little battle. But the war is not over. Come on. You need to just pick yourself up. Some of you have come to church this day in a spirit of discouragement. You've faced battles, you've faced giants, you've faced situations, and it's just discouraged you. But here's the word of the Lord to you. Come on, stand on your feet, arise, move forward. Be of good courage because I will never leave you nor forsake you. This thing that has come against you, it will not last. It too will pass. This thing has got a use-by date. This thing will not destroy you because I am with you in every place where the soil of your foot treads is land that I give to you. We'll fight these battles together by the power of God. Then it goes on and it says, verse seven, verse six says, be strong and of good courage. What does seven say? Verse seven, it says only be strong and of very courageous. How many of you know that if God's going to repeat it twice, that means that you're going to cop it more than once? Hello? So just because just because you've been courageous once doesn't mean that you can't you, you know you, you stop being courageous. But you know what is even scarier It's that verse six says be strong and of good courage. Verse seven says only be strong and very courageous. I mean, if you, I mean, you are sitting there and thinking, "Whoa, thank goodness that's over." And God says, "Ah, that was just a test for the next one. Uh, you want good courage now? You need very courageous." Some of you are looking at me and saying, John, I thought I was coming to church to get encouraged. Huh? But uh, uh, <laughs> I'm getting scared. Don't be scared. Why not? Because God's with you. Yeah. He's, bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger. See, see. some of you look at your giant as your problem. And God wants you to look at your giant as your promotion. ah. Yeah. Huh? See, see, David is a classic illustration to me of how everybody saw the giant as their problem except for David. He saw Goliath not as his problem but his promotion. I mean, everybody's backing away at Goliath thinking, ah, oh, Goliath! And David's rubbing his hands. He's saying, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity. Goliath isn't a problem to me. He's my promotion. How many of you know that that before Goliath, David was a no-name unknown to anybody? He was just a shepherd boy. After Goliath, everybody knew David. He became the champion of Israel. Come on, some of you need to stop and not see your giant as your problem. You need to see your giant as your promotion and get excited about the battle. Why is that? Because the battle isn't yours, it's the Lord's. It's with God's grace that you go into the battle. It's with God's strength and God's promise that you go into the battle. That giant is going to come down in the mighty name of Jesus. Can anybody say amen to that? So here he goes and he says, This book of the law shall not depart from you. Meditate upon it day and night. Just stay close to God, folks. Just stay, everybody say, stay close to God. For then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. He's God's promising you prosperity and success. And again, all we want is to pull that verse out of the Bible and say, That's it, God's promising prosperity and success. And not see, Yeah, but this is all encased in. Face your giants and fight your battles. Face your giants and fight your battles. But I want prosperity and success. Yeah, you'll have it if you face your giants and fight your battles. But but no, I just want to confess it and possess it. You will, but after you faced your giants and fought your battles. Face your giants and fight your battles. Face your giants. Then he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Verse 9. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. How many of you know the reason that God says, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed? Because situations are going to rise up in front of you that will cause fear. You will get news. And your first reaction to that news is fear. Because how many of you know that, that, uh, that when news comes your way, bad news comes your way, your first response is fear. And He's God's trying to encourage us, saying, come on, news will come your way that will try to make you afraid. Maybe some of you this past week, you got news, and the news was bad news. And the first reaction to the bad news was, it rises up within you, fear. Because let me tell you what that news wants to do. It wants to paint a picture for you, and it's the picture of your destruction. It's the picture of your annihilation. And he's God coming your way saying, come on, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. And he's God trying to come to you and saying, you're going to get bad news. It's going to create fear in your life. But stop listening to that news and turn your gaze from that news to me because I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm the one that started this thing. I'm the one that's going to finish it. Stop listening to the voices of death and destruction that want to bring fear and bring anxiety in your life and bring stress and start listening to me because I've got this. I've got it from the beginning. I'll have it at the end and I've got it in between. Glory to God. Okay, let me share with you three things that you need to fight your battle and face your giants. How many of you want to know the three things that you need? I call them the three A's. The three A's. Just They all start with A. The first one, first thing that you need to fight your battle and face your giants is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. You say, what does it say that? Well, Jesus Jesus said, my promise to you is the promise of the Holy Spirit. See, Joshua, his promise was my presence. We come into the New Testament through the cross and God's promise to us is his presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. How awesome is that? See, when you read the Old Testament, what you find is that the Holy Spirit visited people. Over and over again, the Holy Spirit came upon the Holy Spirit came upon people, and you read the Old Testament and you find he came upon people. but when you read the New Testament, the promise is he will be in you. We become the house of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God, to be anointed of the Holy Spirit, to become aware of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised, and you read this in John chapter 14. Read it in John chapter 14, in verse 16, where Jesus says to the disciples, I will send to you the Paracletos, the helper, the comforter, the Paracletos, the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. And when he comes, he will abide with us forever. He is the spirit of truth. And when he is in us, what he will do is that he will enable you, he will guide you, he will inspire you, he will empower you. It's the presence of God. Guys, I, I've done a full series on the Holy Spirit. And if you want to get this series, just go to our website, lifesource.org, go to resources, and and download all the video series on the Holy Spirit, the seven names of the Holy Spirit. It is gold, it is powerful. And you cannot fight your battles without the presence of the Holy Spirit if you want to win the battles. You can fight it, but there's no guarantee that you'll win. But if the Holy Spirit is with you, the guarantee is that you're going to win. The Holy Spirit's going to give you insight. The Holy Spirit... When Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, he, he's, that, that literal interpretation of the word power is you will be able... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. How many of you know that many times we face our battles and we say we're not able? And here's God trying to encourage us. You will be able. You will be able. I'm speaking to you out of 38 years experience as a pastor. And so many battles that I've fought over 38 years. But the amazing thing is is that God has never left me. And every single battle that's come our way has come and it's gone. It's come and it's gone. It's come and it's gone. But the Holy Spirit is always present. Your battle will come, your battle will go, but the Holy Spirit... So, so, So by saying that, don't make the battle the focal point. Make the Holy Spirit the focal point. Battles come, battles go, but the Holy Spirit is there always. So did you wake up this morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I'm so aware of your presence. Do you feed your spirit? Spirit, with the Holy Spirit? Do you, do you open yourself up to sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit? The anointing, the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You want to fight your battles. Don't go into battle without sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number two, you want to fight your battle. The third thing you need is the armor of God. The armor of God. So that's the second eight. Anointing of the Holy Spirit, armor of God is point two. Second thing you need is the armor of God. So, I, you know, this is what I find fascinating. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. Yeah. You get saved. And, uh, and, and, and Jesus says, hey, come with me. I'm going to give you the Christian uniform. We think, oh, what is it? A nice t-shirt. I'm a believer. <laughs> now, nah, he says, come come into the room. And, and uh, he gives the uniform and he says, he's the belt. Belt of truth. Put it on. He's the breastplate. You put it on, it's a breastplate of righteousness. Then he says, he's the shoes. Gospel of peace. Then he says, he's the shield. It's the shield of faith. Then he says, he's the helmet. Helmet of salvation. He's your sword, your weapon, the word of God. I think at that point we should get the hint that God has given us the armor because he's preparing us. For battle. Hello? <laughs> yeah! He's preparing us for battle. So that's the Christian uniform, the armor of God. What we've got to be so aware of is that when God gives us this armor, he's also wanting us to remove the junk out of our lives. And there's junk that we've, that we've inadvertently gathered over just years of bad experience and years of wrong teaching. And, and so this, here's the deal. When God wants to give us the belt of truth, he wants to, for us to take off the old belt of deception. So we've got to remove deception to receive truth. And I'm telling you that there is so much deception out there. The internet is full of deception. There's, the world is full of fake news and bad news and, and there's deception everywhere and we have philosophies today that are full of deception. Full of deception. Do you know what broke my heart the other day? I literally wept about it. They're, in Ireland the other day, they, they did this, this referendum on, on what I call the elimination of babies, abortion. And and when it got passed in Ireland, they had voted about it and 60% said, no, no, we want to give people the right to abortion. There was like dancing in the streets. Dancing in the streets. For them, they thought it was the biggest victory that, that the most vulnerable of people That ought to have human rights because they are the most vulnerable, have them removed. But then other humans that have got their rights say, My right trumps the right of a baby. And you know, let me just say something to you. Do you know, in in the way that we analyze life is this is that when you're dead, your heart stops beating. And so when your heart stops beating, then what you're considered is dead. Well, let me tell you something. They literally have to stop a baby's heart from beating to create an abortion. And so for someone to say that that is a great victory is total deception. And I will not be silenced over this. I will not be silenced because the truth is that God values life. And when when we read Psalm 139, we, we, we get the insight into God forming the babies in the womb and fearfully and wonderfully made and, and God's presence there. And and the amazing thing is this, that the first person, the first person to leap for joy at the presence of Jesus was John the Baptist, who was a six month fetus. A six-month fetus leapt for joy at the presence. You know what the Bible is saying to us is that there's life in the womb. That's what the Bible is saying to us. Why? Because Jesus was already conceived. He would have only been a few weeks old in the womb. So his life created John the Baptist's life to rejoice and jump for joy. What is that talking about? That's talking about perception. That's talking about being spiritually alive. Now, can I... You know, seriously, when I talk about this, my heart is broken for people who have been deceived and through their deception have gone down this pathway. And I want to say this is that there's forgiveness and restoration in God. And so we're not here to put people under condemnation. But we're also not here to be silenced by the deception that's in this world. I, you know, I didn't come this morning prepared to say that, and um, and in actual fact, it's probably doesn't create an incredible excitement atmosphere to say things like that. But nevertheless, it needs to be said. It needs to be said. So, in order to replace, tr- in order for us to have truth we need to remove deception. In order for us to have righteousness, we need to have unrighteousness removed. You can't have the breastplate of righteousness and underneath there's all this unrighteousness. Take off the unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Then there's the gospel of peace. God wants us to remove anxiety in order for us to have peace. Faith. God wants us to remove doubt in order to have faith. Salvation. God wants us to have self-confidence Removed. Why is that? Because every religion in the world basically says that. You merit your salvation by what you do. And it is a total egotistical, pride, man-centered thing. Whereas the Bible says, you're not saved by what you do, it's by grace alone. So take away your self-centeredness, take away your arrogance, take away your pride, and come into the presence of God with humility and receive your salvation. And then we remove rebellion in order to get the word of God. How many of you see this? There's another 15 messages in that just alone. But you are very intelligent people and you can go with me and stay with me at 100 miles an hour okay three things that we need number one is the anointing of God anointing of the Holy Spirit second thing we need is the armour of God and here's the third thing we need and here it is just one word attitude everybody say attitude when you go into battle you've got to have the right attitude attitude How many of you know that? You've got to have the right attitude. And this is where faith comes in. Speak what God speaks about you. Stop speaking what the enemy speaks about you. The enemy says you're a grasshopper. They're a giant. God says they're a giant, but we're a bigger giant. Because God, who is for me, who can be against me. Romans 8.31 If God is for you, who can be against you? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, enter your battle with confidence. It's attitude. We need the attitude of faith. The attitude that the God who started this thing is going to finish it. Another attitude we need is the attitude of prayer. Just draw closer to God and he'll draw closer to you. You've got to sense the presence of God and you only get that through prayer. Just this prayer creates an attitude where it removes fear. It removes doubt. It removes anxiety. If you've got fear, doubt and anxiety, get into the presence of God and start praying it out. Start praying it out. Start, start just declaring it out of your life. And just begin to say, God, you, you're in me. You're around me. You're for me. I just I just want to draw closer to you. And as you draw closer to God, he draws closer to you. And something begins to happen. You start to sense his presence. You know, if you stop sensing his presence, it's because you've stopped praying. When you start praying again, you'll start to sense his presence. If you feel God's far, far away, just get into the presence of God. Just begin to surround yourself with worship. And the third thing that creates attitude, here it is, is praise and worship. Praise and worship, praise. Praise focuses on the greatness of God. Do you know what Psalm 149 verse 6 says about praise? Psalm 149 verse 6. It says that praise is like a two-edged sword in your hand. You can't go into battle without a two-edged sword in your hand. You say, oh yeah, but I thought the sword was the word of God. Yeah, the word of God in your mouth where you're speaking the declarations of how good God is becomes a sword. See, see, what happens is this, is that we automatically, when we read the word of God, we automatically go to the Bible being the word of God. But when Paul wrote about this, there was no Bible. There were were parchments and manuscripts. So what did they have? They had the declaration of God. You want a sword in your hand? What does God say? What's the word? What is the logos? What is the declaration of God? Is the declaration of God in your mouth? Is it like a two-edged sword in your hand? Let me tell you, the greatest spiritual warfare that you can enter into is praise and worship where you're declaring the glory of God. You're declaring the goodness of God. You're declaring how marvelous your God is. You're declaring that he is the one who was in the beginning. He is the one who's at the end. And I belong to him. What a wonderful declaration it is. I'm a God person. And as you begin to do that, you are principalities and powers that want to say the opposite. You cut through darkness that wants to blind you from the fact that God is an almighty God, a powerful God. He's on your side. When you gave your heart to Jesus and you were cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you became a child of God. Come on, you need to declare that you are not a slave to fear, but you are a child of God. Stop being afraid of the terror by night. Stop being afraid of the voices that would try to take hold of your imagination. Begin to praise and worship God above the din of the noise of fear and begin to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, declaring that He is a mighty God, powerful in battle. All you need to begin to say is this. Here it is. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Come on, begin to say it. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle belongs to God. The battle is the Lord's. The battle that you're facing right now is God's battle. It belongs to Him. He can do it. He can do it. Whatever you're facing right now, He can do it. He can do it. it. He's able. Begin to cut through those forces of darkness. You know, the, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm seeing people that are surrounded by what it seems to me like a cloud of darkness. And it's penetrated your mind, it's penetrated your soul, it's penetrated your heart. And even when you went to bed last night, you just sensed that there was darkness all around, and it was like a heavy, a to try to push you down. But I'm here to tell you as a man of God that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And as you begin to declare that, this is what happens. It's like you start to turn the lights on. And as you begin to turn the light on, Jesus is the light of the world. That darkness starts to tremble and flee. Why is that? Because the darkness realizes... I have no power in the light. I have no power when they turn the light on. The darkness flees. Jesus is the light. Begin to call upon Jesus. And he will come into your situation and the darkness will flee. The principalities and powers will begin to flee. Those things that are intimidating you will begin to flee because Jesus becomes your focus. You want to win your battle want to bring your battle just change that attitude of i'm over i'm done i'm dead it's finished and begin to say a mighty man a mighty woman is rising up in the strength of god watch out devil watch out i'm coming i'm coming anointed of god full of the armor of God, with the right attitude, no giant shall stand before me. No band, no demon, no force of Satan will be able to stand before me. If God is for me, who will stand against me? The battle is the Lord's. Come on, let's give the Lord a great big hand of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's stand together. Let's stand together. My time is well and truly up. Come on, just close your eyes and open up the palms of your hands to heaven. Holy Spirit, just come right now. Let your presence permeate into every situation. Mm. Come, Holy Spirit. You're welcome. You're so welcome. it over to him right now. Just hand it over to him. All your stress, all your anxiety, hand it over to him. Hand it over to him. That battle, that battle that wants to divide and separate and cause you to fall, that's the enemy trying to stop you from moving forward. The enemy knows if you can get through this, you're going to be a mighty force against him. And he wants to stop you before you can become a mighty force. But I'm praying for you, as Jesus prayed for Peter, that when you go through this trial, you come out the other end full of power and full of might to be able to encourage others. Come on, I want to speak. I want to speak right now to the giant that you're facing. What are you, giant, before the people of God? And He's the word of the Lord to you right now. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You don't have to depend on your might. You don't have to depend upon your power but you depend upon the Spirit of the Lord, and the battle is clinging on to the Spirit of God. The battle is clinging on to the voice of God. The battle is clinging on to the promises of God. The battle is not letting go, but staying focused on He that goes before you. And right now, I speak a word of encouragement into your spirit. I speak that word of encouragement. Become encouraged so that you might be of good courage, and very courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Thanks for choosing to listen to the LifeSource Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of senior ministers John and Anne Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.